Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Hester Brooks. I'm Tom Hester Brooks, your host. Ah, Saturday morning. Where'd May go? May 31st. May was a blur this year. Okay. April, no spring. May, eh, kind of spring, you know. But boy, have we been gardening. I mean, the weather has been up and down all month. But boy, have we really had some good overcast gardening weather. You know, the weather people throughout the last couple weeks have up and down, up and down. You know, oh, showers and it'd be a sunny day. You know, just the weirdest weather patterns we've ever, ever had. I I can't remember a spring that's been like this. But boy, the plants have been spectacular. Thinking back through the spring months, my lilacs have been wonderful. You know, they're still looking pretty good. Uh, the magnolias were spectacular this year. The apples and crab apples have been wonderful. Everything has kind of held on. Once we got over that early cold in April, we really kind of moderated and just kind of kept nice and steady temperatures. We didn't get those real frosty nights. We really didn't have those cold stints. But boy, did the plants look wonderful. I mean, I can remember driving into the radio station week after week just going, wow, that plant's amazing. You know, so I hope you've really been able to enjoy some of these plants along the the cold spring. I know it's been kind of tough to get out there and enjoy things, but boy, my vegetable garden's going great guns now. You know, the lettuce we're starting to harvest. You know, things are really starting to kind of take shape. I planted um, the second week of May this year, and things have really bounced I think those nice moderate temperatures really kind of let things come on. Now I'm getting ready to do another planting. I'm adding to my garden. I'm going to add a second rotation of beans, a second rotation of other things. So, you know, we'll talk more about kind of the vegetable garden a little bit later in the show. Today we have Carrie Ann Mendez coming on. And uh, she's written a couple books. One, The Ultimate Flower Gardener's Top Ten List. And the other, the top 10 list for beautiful shade gardens, seeing your way out of the dark. So Carrie Ann works in our Kennebunk store and has a, been a great addition to our our, uh, our team here at Estabrooks. And she has some wonderful plants. We're going to talk perennials specifically. And we're going to talk about perennials specifically for summer because we're headed towards summer now. It's the end of May you know, we're over kind of the spring season and mud, and now we're into going towards summer. So I hope you've got a chance to really get out there and garden some, okay? Now, last weekend, Memorial Weekend, a little bit of weather up and down, but overall a great weekend. We really had a wonderful weekend of sales. I mean, customers were going crazy. It really, the product can't it, it just didn't look better. This year, everything kind of came together great from Memorial. Mother's Day, we were a little behind, you know, with all the cold weather and things not finishing. But Memorial, we hit it on the mark. Uh, the annuals were just spectacular and still are. We've got a lot of fresh crops coming on for summer months, you know, and things are really looking absolutely wonderful, um, you know, going forward. And some of those summer annuals that I always love, Cleomi. Let's talk a little bit about those. You know, we have the Spirit Series. They've always been great. Um, they are free bloomers. They are grown from cuttings, not seed. So they don't get those seed pods, and they really continue to bloom really well all through the whole summer months. You know, but 
I would say annuals, you know, are really coming into their own now. They're starting to shape up. They've rooted if you planted them in the last couple of weeks. Your containers are starting to fill out. It is time now to start thinking about fertilizing, okay? Now, we've talked a lot about on the show about fertilization, and a lot of these annuals are bred to have a lot of fertilizer. And, you know, a lot of times I'm talking about the Espoma products, the plant tones, the holly tones, the garden tones. Now, with annuals, we're not worried about fertilizing them too much, okay? We're really looking to push them to the point of death, okay? We're looking to push them to get the most blooms because we don't worry. They're not going to overwinter. We're not worried about them slowing down at any point during the season. We're not worried about them, you know, not being able to winter over. And fertilization is really about making sure we get as much growth on annuals. Now, a lot of your proven winter material and new genetics that have come out, the reason why we fertilize so much is because of the new genetics and the fertilization we do, you don't have to deadhead as much. The fertilizer pushes the new blossom buds past the old seed pods, and it actually blooms right through the whole summer. So let's talk a little bit about some of those plants that really do well. Some of my summer flowering plants that I love the best for annuals are supertunias. Okay, now a lot of customers come in and ask for wave petunias. And I wanted to make this distinction on on wave petunias and supertunias. There's a huge difference between the two. Wave petunias are grown from seed supertunias are grown from cuttings. Now, why do you say that's a big deal? A plant grown from cuttings, each plant grows exactly the same. A plant grown from seed, not every plant performs at the same level, okay? So there is a difference when it comes to that, okay? Secondly, okay, the thing about wave petunias is if you've ever used them, as the summer goes on, what you'll see is the center of the plant starts to die out and not bloom in the center of the plant, okay? So the new growth along the edges of the plant, there's wonderful weather, you know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful blooms around the edges, but nothing in the center, okay? Now, secondly, with supertunias, the centers bloom, and then all around the edges bloom also, which makes a huge difference, a huge difference, Okay, over the whole summer. So that's why we've chosen to carry the Supertunia line. Okay. The other summer flowering plants I love are Scavola. Okay. Fanflower. Blue, white, and we also have a yellow. Now the yellow's new this year. I'm not sure how it's gonna how it's gonna perform as well as the others during the summer months, but I love that plant for the summer color. And I also love Angelonia. Those nice big spikes, great for summer, okay? The Bidens is another great one, okay? Goldilocks Rocks is the variety we sell, okay? Really nice yellow, spreads nicely, works well in a container. Now, here's a few annuals that tend to peter out in the hot summer months. And you probably will find, you won't. we won't have as many during the summer. We'll still have some, but Lobelia is one that peters out a little bit. Okay, Bacopa are two that really don't do well in the summer heat, okay? Agaranthemum or, or English daisies, butterfly, vanilla butterfly, they will continue to bloom, 
but they will bloom limited, okay? They'll start to shut down a little bit. You have to be very diligent about actually going ahead and keeping those buds taken off all the time. Because of the summer heat, what happens is they push all their blossoms at once on on the agaranthemum, okay? And so you have to constantly deadhead them in order to get new blossoms to come. And when it comes to summer annual gardening, I really like to have things that I don't have to deadhead too much. I like to enjoy my summer, okay? Now, the agaranthemums work great in a container on the deck, okay? And the reason I like them in a container on the deck is because you're out there entertaining. You're out there in the evenings. You're sitting in the patio chair. You can pick a few blossoms. Out in the garden, you've got to go out there and do that, okay? So if you want to do those, you can certainly do those right at that time of year. Okay, you can do that on the patio easily, day in, day out. The other thing is herbs are a great thing to add in, okay, to your containers or in your garden in the summer months. You know, some of the times, some of the other things. So as some of these spring blooming perennials kind of pass a, you can go ahead and add in a few of those other edibles you know, for a later crop, you know, maybe add a few more basil plants into your gardens, maybe a, a, a thyme plant into your into your uh, container on the deck. Whatever you need to do, you can go ahead and add to all of these areas. But think about your color in waves, okay? And we're going to talk more with Carrie Ann Mendez coming up about summer perennials, okay? And some of the things that she likes, some of the things that we, we can... Uh, add to our garden to get that summer pop. Let's face it, we use our yards the most from now right through August into September. Okay, this is peak gardening season. And the thing about summer, it's very important that everyone understands. You can plant all summer. Okay, you can plant all summer. All it takes is water. Okay, all it takes is water. All right, water is the key to success during the summer months. Now, here we are. It's the end of the May, and it's really important to me that we continue to have this discussion about water, okay, because we had a lot of damage this past winter, and protecting your plants, water is the number one key component to that, okay? We need to water all season long, limiting stress, on your plants. Okay? So here we are. It's the end of May. You've done a fair amount of planting at this point. We're still going to be planting a fair amount in the next month. But what I want, time and time again, with a lot of the plants that we had problems with last year, it came down to people, as we got later into the summer and fall, thought we were getting enough rain, thought that the plants had put on enough root system for the season thought that they could sustain themselves in the hottest part of the year. That is not the case, folks. And I'm going to beat this into the ground, okay, time and time again, week after week. You're going to hear this theme of water is the most important thing, over fertilizer, over everything. If you have damaged plants from last winter, keep watering. I can report that the plants that we have at the garden center I've talked about, like the holly in the front garden, and a few other plants, we've fertilized a couple times, and all of the new growth is coming off of all the old growth. Okay, all those old tips that got burned, the leaves that have fallen off, there's new growth coming off of every single stem. 
Okay, just like I explained, I hope you're starting to see the same thing. It's important this time of year that you continue to water. Now, here we are. It's the 1st of June. You're probably time to start thinking about giving another round of fertilizer on some of these plants. Hopefully, you did something in April, maybe May. Now, it's time to think about, okay, let's give another shot. You have that rhododendron or holly that's not looking as good. You know, think about giving it another thing, hollytone. You know, another application of hollytone at this point. Now we're also going into June where we're going to go ahead and continue to pick up that water. Okay? So water is the key to success all summer long. And that doesn't matter if it's annuals, perennials, trees, shrubs. Now can you overwater? Obviously you can overwater. But for the most part, people do not overwater. Okay? I've got one area that's very wet in my yard that I know I don't have to water as much, but I also put plants in there that are more moist-loving. So the correct choice for the right spot is always important also. So after the break, we're going to have Carrie Ann Mendez coming in. We're going to talk perennials. After a quick break, we'll be back from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. They say good things come to those who wait. If cold early season temperatures have delayed your spring gardening, Estabrooks has some good news. All trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, and ground covers are now 20% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. The wait is over. It's time to plant the garden you've always wanted at a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earth life compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Welcome back to another edition of the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. And another Saturday morning, you know, I got my big cup of coffee. As you probably know, I hope you're not trying to call this week because we are taping. Uh, I am away in New York right now at uh, my wonderful wife's uh, uh, families. We're taking a little time to go to uh, my sister-in-law's wedding this weekend, so I am having a good time right now, hopefully sleeping, um, but today we're not live, okay? So you can't call in, but today we have a wonderful guest, Carrie Ann Mendez. Carrie, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's it's a great weekend. And Absolutely. I hope you have a great time. Well, you know, I'm sure we will. You know, it's a wedding. How can you not have a good time? I, You know, the thing about a wedding is you just got to make it a good time. It's always a good time. You know, good food, good booze, good time, right? 
And lots of flowers. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you should see the flowers for this wedding. I went on the consult for the flowers almost a year ago. Um, I went to the consult, uh, you know, at the florist, and we looked at all the different things. And man, what a beautiful job this florist is going to do! It's just going to be an amazing show. Um, great, you name it. So, Carrie, how are you? I'm doing really, really great. I just love being in here, being at Maine, in Maine, as you probably, as we spoke last time. This is what my fifth month living in Kennebunk, and I just love Maine. I think this is the greatest state, greatest people, and of course, great plants. So. I love it here. Yeah, it's 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 a little different, right? Yeah, tad different. Again, I came from upstate New York, mm-hmm. so you know I'm used to that snow and all that. But here, you've got the wonderful ocean nearby, and gosh, what a what a dream that is for us. So yeah, and Kennebunk is just one of those areas that you know it will change throughout the summer months as the garden does. And you know, obviously today we're we're talking perennials for summer is what we're okay. thinking, but Kennebunk changes throughout the season also you know all the all the people are starting to come up you know open up their summer places you know now anytime after memorial the crowd just kind of changes southern maine is just a, a complete complete change over the next few months so uh good luck down there <laughs> you remind me i better open up my deck <laughs> <laughs> that's right so what have you been able to do for gardening you know, I know you're trying, probably just working your way into your, your new place and, mm-hmm. and your new garden. So what have you been able to do so far this spring? You know, at this point, I was fortunate enough to take a number of divisions from my gardens in upstate New York. So right now I'm planning out my gardens. I haven't actually uh, dug in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just kind of thinking of combo ideas, uh, plants that really pay their way double time in their spots. So they're giving me great flowers and nice foliage and certainly tucking in some great annuals. So right now I'm painting the picture and I know the plants are all out there. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am. I've and where I'm gardening primarily is more of a parched shady area mm-hmm. uh, where I used to have a lot more sun. But, you know, there's great plants for every light condition. So Absolutely. Um, you know, I'm just trying to think in my designing, as, as more and more people are looking for, we want more bang for our buck, but we want to not have to put as much energy into the gardening, you know, because we have these full-paced lives. So I'm looking at some really great perennials, and you know I love perennials. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them I just because I'm also thinking about deer issues, which many people have. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the astilbe. I mean, those are uh, I use a lot of the different varieties of astilbe. Yeah, I, I, they're a great staple, and I love some of the the varieties have wonderful foliage too after they're done blooming. Right, mm-hmm. right. There's one um, called Delft Lace, mm-hmm. and I know we carry it at, at uh, Esterbrooks. That has that incredible burgundy cast to the mm-hmm. foliage. So not only does it have beautiful rosy pink plumes. And uh, in July, it also gives you that great, rich, dark burgundy foliage um, before, during, and after bloom. And that's one I just think is so cool. And anytime uh, you're anytime you're talking shade, there has to be an element of texture I find with a lot of the plants we pick, because you know you can't get as much blossom and shade as everybody would like. You know, obviously out in the sun we can do just about anything, but right. in the shade, texture is very important. Right, right. Well, the other day I was helping someone, and um, we were, I was, as we were talking through that shade garden, one of the things that we were looking at are silver leaf plants, like mm-hmm. the, um, the uh, Siberian bucos, the um, Brunera, right. Jack Frost. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, big heart-shaped silver leaves, you know, that billow of blue flowers in the spring, which is great. 
But as with many shade plants, as you just said, they don't have a huge length of bloom. It's really that foliage that has to carry the show, and there's so many great choices. So I'm working those in. I'm also working in some really cool flowering shrubs, uh, okay. especially for dry shade. Yeah. I love the smooth hydrangeas, mm. like Annabelle and Incredible. Mm-hmm. I, love, I, I love Annabelle. It, you know, Incredible is just a wonderful variety. I think it's a great improvement. I have six Annabelles in front of my farmer's porch. I added them when we bought the house because it just fit the style of house. And mm-hmm. also, the thing I love about both of those, they're great for snow load areas. You can mow them down with a lawnmower and be no concern. They'll grow right back and look beautiful the, the following year. Great area. You know, if you've got that slide off the roof or have to pile a bunch of snow up because of snow plowing, those two plants are perfect. Perfect right. choice. Good point. Yep. So certainly working in those. And, you know, some of the azaleas and the, and the rhododendrons that are obviously in bloom, or azaleas are going by, but the rhodes too, they're just, I mean, I'm putting those in my bed. Mm-hmm. And I know those are spring color. We're kind of supposed to be talking about that's summer o- That's color. okay, but it all kind of blends together, you know, because, yeah. you know, to me, rhododendrons are a staple in azaleas for a shade garden structurally. All summer long because what they do is they give that backdrop and, you know, that canvas is so important for those summer flowering plants, you know, once you kind of get down. If you have nice big rhododendron leaves, they're nice dark green, they look great. Those hosta pop, you know, all the other plants pop because you have that canvas in the backdrop. Exactly. Yeah, really rich. You know, the other one I've been, I just love, I'm really getting more into, although they're all more sun lovers, the nine barks. Mm-hmm. And one of the things is, I think we've shared before, I'm writing this new book, I'm on chapter three right now, on the downsized garden. Mm-hmm. And part of that book is emphasizing shrubs and perennials, but especially a lot of the really cool, interesting shrubs that also carry great foliage that are more compact in size, that fit smaller spaces or patio uh, gardens. And the uh, Nine Bark Little Devil, mm-hmm. with those cute little petite bronzy chocolate leaves and the uh, beautiful white flowers that turn into berries that the birds love. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the nine barks, and um, I use a lot of, like, darts gold, the bright gold leaf ones, and that little devil that has those little finer foliage. I, with, like, uh, I like that new one, Amber Jubilee. I haven't seen that. Okay, is- that's a really cool one. It comes out yellow, and then it kind of goes to kind of a... Uh, a, a goldish bronze color, but when it first comes out in the spring, and we have this in stock, oh, um, it 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 just pops. It's a real nice. I think in shade, it's gonna kind of melt out in the summer months. Mm-hmm. It kind of gets a bronzy, burgundy color, not burgundy, but uh, more purpley color. But really cool, amber jubilee. Check that one out. Oh, I will. That sounds great. And, you mm. know, the nine barks are so drought tolerant, and then you get the winter interest with that exfoliating bark. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got four seasons of interest with nine barks. And, oh, I'll have to, I've got that. I just wrote that one on my <laughs> list. <laughs> Add and, another. And the thing about nine barks is you can't be afraid of pruning a nine bark. Right. You know, there really isn't a bad time to prune. The blossoms are. Yeah, you know, they're nice, but they're if you have to sacrifice them, it's not a big concern, is it? No, it's not. You know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because sometimes with some of these really cool uh, uh, foliage shrubs that we're looking at, sometimes I tell people, you know, make your decision. Either go for the flowers or do some heavy pruning to produce more flush of those colorful leaves that you're going to value that color and texture 
more than the flowers, like with smokebush and others, mm-hmm. where we're sometimes we're using that incredible shrub more for the backdrop of a companion planting with striking leaves that make everything else pop and jazzier in front of them. Yeah, I think I think customers underestimate the the importance of texture and color without blossom. Right. You know, everybody thinks blossom when they're coming to a garden center. They're thinking, I need big blooms, I need big color. Sometimes that texture can really show off the other things in your yard. Right. Um, you know, one that I think is really underused is viburnum popcorn. Unbelievable flower, but I love the shape and the fall color on it. So yeah. for me, you get a great flower, but I actually like the shape and the and the fall color better. Yeah. You know, and it gives you good texture in the winter. But I look at the the blossom as an addition. <laughs> you know, it's yep, not that's, that's not the reason I plant that plant. Yep. It's the shape and the and well, the and all of that. Remind me, I can't. Remember, how tall does popcorn get? Popcorn gets up in that six to eight foot range by probably okay. eight feet wide. So okay. it is a big grower. But yep. you know, it's one of those things that the blossom's nice. But I really love the shape of it, just the way that it, it kind of forms. Um, the blossom's bigger than Mauricii or, or, mm-hmm. or Shasta. But I like the form of it and how it grows. It's a little more upright. Um, it's got a little bit more pointed habit. But it really, really is a showstopper in the fall. Yep. You know, and you, you bring up the viburnums. One that, uh, again, I think is not used enough is uh, summer snowflake. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, that with those white lace cap flowers that will continue to bloom spring summer into fall it's striking you know i tell people what in this stunning border plant uh that a hedge border that you can make i've seen gorgeous hedges with those white lace cap flowers mm-hmm. or just keep it smaller and pruned harder around the foundation of a home but that's another one i think that people aren't as familiar with you know we usually think of as you're saying the uh, like the korean spice or other varieties mm-hmm. but i I've used the summer snowflake a lot in my other gardens, and I thought they were outstanding long performers. Absolutely great long bloomer. Sporadically blooms all summer. The mm-hmm. one thing I have found about summer snowflake is you can't expect here in Maine some tip dieback. Okay. okay. And the reason being is that we push growth so late into the fall and then turn cold so fast okay. that that last two or three inches of growth will die off. It's not a problem. It's kind of like a natural pruning, to, mm-hmm. to tell you the truth. But that's the one thing customers have to realize is with that plant, it grows so great in the summer months and blooms so long that that last two or three inches of growth doesn't harden off enough in the, in the, in the fall. And so those little tips will die, but it's a natural pruning. It just makes it branch and bloom better the following year. Right. Good to know. See, I'm going to be learning so much here. My <laughs> my change in into the main uh, climate, the well, zone. So well, well, every every area is different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly. From Yarmouth to here to yeah, different mm. areas. Mm. So let's talk a couple perennials here. Tell me about some of the summer perennials you love. I always go back to geranium roseanne. I will certainly mm-hmm. just kind of toss that one in. I think it's just a long blooming, hardy. Uh, geranium that just gives you that blue-purple flower from later June. It doesn't bloom as early as other hardy geraniums, but Mm -hmm. to have that show go through October with no deadheading, I think, is an amazing plant. Um, I just love the, you know, all the coneflowers that are coming out. Uh They're just striking. They're low need as far as care. One of the things that I remind people and remind myself about is that coneflowers really benefit from 
not as much fertilizer. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think sometimes people love them to death by throwing so much fertilizer on them that they get leggy and they really don't perform as well. Just kind of, you know, treat them, look the other way, as I say, with coneflowers and let these gorgeous plants in full sun give us that blast of, you know, whites, yellows, orange, the fiery reds like firebird. Mm, um, mm. So I love the coneflowers. I think they're they're great for interest in the gardens. Uh, one, one other tip on coneflowers that we've mm-hmm. learned is with a lot of these new varieties, they're wonderful and they bloom really well at a young age. But what we have learned about a lot of these new genetics is it's really good to use them the first year or two as a cut flower. Okay. okay, and the reason being is if you take those flowers off, you're actually going to build more root system and the crowns are going to do much better. So taking those flowers off the plant and not letting them go to seed, they actually will produce more foliage and they will actually build more root system because they're not putting energy into the flowers. Makes so, sense. you know, with a lot of these new varieties, what we found is overwintering can be an issue because they bloom so well in a pot. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the old-fashioned varieties, a lot of times we didn't find them in pots blooming. We'd always buy them in the spring. They wouldn't have any flowers on them. We'd put them in the ground. They'd bulk up yep. all season, and then in the summer they'd flower. Well, with these new varieties, they're free-blooming. They bloom much earlier in their life cycle. And what happens is you don't build the root system to go behind the plant. Huh. So important to think about all these new wonderful colors, yellows, yeah. oranges, bicolors, doubles all the take the flowers off the first year okay Great. use them in a vase use them in a nice flower arrangement but that will help bulk those up great to know great to know you know another one that's that's uh, so many and we have so many at work that love it are the coreopsis especially mm. a lot of the new thread leaves and the crosses and the coreopsis like red satin i love that plant is you know I, I had bought Mercury Rising. Mm-hmm. I've been growing that, and I have not seen red satin yet in bloom. I mean, I've seen it in the, um, you know, in the magazines and all that. But I was so psyched when I saw it come into Estabrooks. I'm like, yeah, we got red satin. Have you seen that color actually in bloom? We did. We had it last year, um, oh, and wow. it was a great performer. Bloom time and time and time again. You know, you shear it back, it blooms again. You shear it back, it blooms again. You know, a lot of the old red varieties weren't winter hardy and this one right. it, these these two are um you know so we're excited about those you know it's just another color that for summer is great it it yep. makes those yellows pop better it makes all those other pastel colors kind of come alive it brings out those eyes in the flocks and you know mm-hmm. so it's really really a great great addition you and know? it's deer resistant you know absolutely I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm coming from upstate New York. I'm always thinking deer issues, and I, I'm, I guess I'm assuming Maine has the same issues. Maybe uh, you don't here. We had terrible deer issues this year. Okay. You know, with the late snows we had and the heavy snowpack. I mean, even in the Kennebunk Garden Center, some of the arborvitae in the gardens in the garden center got absolutely devoured. <gasps> I mean, just decimated. We had a beautiful weeping hemlock there. Typically, I would say, nah, deer don't touch hemlock. I had customers in the Yarmouth store have six to seven foot hemlocks completely stripped. There's a foot of growth on a six to seven foot hemlock at the very tip, and that's it. I mean, they devoured it. This beautiful sergeant weeping hemlock that we have in the garden bed there in the garden center just got devoured. Now, 
all these plants are starting to rebound now, and we've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. But, Carrie, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to bring you back after the break, and we'll talk more perennials. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we have Carrie Ann Mendez with us today. Carrie Ann, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Well, you know, here we are. It's the end of June, and, you know, it's time to really think about summer. You know, the spring flowers have been amazing this year. Um, I, I started the show today, and I was talking about how we've had such moderate, cool weather the whole time, and, you know, that... Plants have really held on a long time. The bloom times for things have really stretched out. You know, the crab apples have been wonderful. The magnolias have been amazing. You know, viburnums have looked great. Now we're getting into some summer heat coming up here. And, you know, let's face it, summer is when we use our yards the most. We have the cookouts and all of that. Let's talk some cool color stuff out there in the garden. Great. Well, um, you know, I I know we're in summer right now, but I, I'm going to bring in irises. Um, and people will say, wait a minute, Carrie, German bearded Siberian, mm. these are all spring bloomers. But Japanese iris right. are one of my favorites because they're just coming in end of June into July. They have, I think, much larger flowers than any of the other irises. You know, they can be, what, eight inches, six, eight inches mm-hmm. across from mm-hmm. tip of petal to tip of petal. Um, and they have such nice, sturdy stems and, I think, really strapping leaves that don't flop like some of the other irises. Um, and I, do you use them a bit, Tom? Or yeah, you... you know, and I don't find you have the borer issues on them as much yeah. either. You know, the Germans have more problems. They're, they're probably more well-known. People love them because they're just funky, cool flowers. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. You know, I mean, lower maintenance, easy, um, you know, have a beautiful foliage before they bloom, you know, which right. adds a lot of color, kind of gives you that grass look. Right. Before grasses really take on, <laughs> you know, their and, own. And they are, I think, I've always said in, our, in, in my gardens that in July 4th, those things are pink, looking mm-hmm. just jaw-dropping. And it always um, is uh, very surprising when people see them because they're like, what kind of iris would be blooming mm-hmm. and looking like that on July 4th? So right. I, Japanese iris are my kind of knockout plant that a lot of people look at on that 4th of uh, July. Mm-hmm. Um, and we mentioned flocks before. I mean, the summer, the summer flocks are just so outstanding in, in, a, in a border. And if we're talking about some that have uh, funky leaves, you know, like the variegated leaves, yeah. 
I love Shockwave. Yeah. Uh, um, that brilliant chartreuse in green leaf mm-hmm. uh, with that kind of pinky purple flower. But that foliage, I think, would compete with any cool coleus. It's got such, you know, flamboyant leaves, mm-hmm. that little sweet little shock, um, uh, shockwave. Yeah, if I never saw a flower on that plant, it would be cool to me. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, and then, bam, in the middle of summer, you get this flower. But, you know, if you take the flowers off after they start to go by, you have a great foliage, too. Exactly. And uh, what is it? Becky Powell is another one that mm-hmm. has white and green foliage with pink flowers. I mean, so, again, I, not that I... Not that I have variegated and non-green leaves throughout my whole yard, but I do think as we keep going through, I I tell people to take another look at their gardens, and if they want more interest with a lot less work so they can sit around the barbecue more in the middle of summer, then introduce some plants that have just really vibrant leaves that add that, that contribute that color with no work from flowers. Right. and, you know, you'd have to also, uh, for me, I, I love, even though they don't have um, bicolor, you know, any different color leaves, but the ligularias, well, actually, the uh, Britt Marie Crawford does. Right. But those big, gorgeous, tropical-looking leaves of ligularia. It doesn't, look, it doesn't look like it should winter in Maine. I know. You know, and it does, and it's really cool, you know, parts under shade. Um, if you've got a moist spot, it's a great plant for that also. Yep. You know, um, the Ligularia, I like the new one, Bottle Rocket, too, by Proven Winners. That's a yeah. cool That's a cool plant. Nice little tight one that stays nice and compact. You know, not everybody can use big plants. There's a right. lot of people, like you said, you're, you're writing a new book, you said, right? Yeah, I'm writing a new book called The Downsized Garden. It's all about exceptional, low-maintenance plants and design solutions so that we we actually, the impression is you get a lot more color from actually fewer plants mm-hmm. with 50% less work. That's my goal oh. in writing this book. How can we create pleasing landscapes that don't compromise our property value but can actually add more interest year-round with a lot less work? And it's just smart plant choices and, uh, you know, some good design ideas. Uh, and it really a lot of that book is going to be emphasizing smaller plants that can be also used uh, for deck you know, for planting in containers on deck mm. and patio gardens and all that. So summer, gardens. <laughs> summer living, as I'd yeah. like to call it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and um, and anyway, we're we're talking about some of those smaller plants like bottle rocket ligularia, which is great. Um, you know, another plant you're talking about. We're talking about summer color. A lot of times later in the summer, like that month of August, mm-hmm. seems to kind of peter out for some people in their gardens. The gardens don't have the same pop that they did uh, early summer. Right. One of the perennials I love to use for that August color is Helen's flower, Helenium. Ah, Helenium, yes. Yeah. Don't you love And And they're coming out with more, um, much more compact varieties like, um, what's that one, short and sassy, mm-hmm. that only gets between like two to three feet tall. But those beautiful, and it's a native plant, if I'm not, isn't it a native? Tom, I'm trying to think. I thought it was native. You know, to, to tell you the truth, I don't know if it's native here in Maine. Well, I don't, I don't know. know about Maine. Well, um, you know, I always think Maine. Native. Sorry. I'm native. I got roots here, you know? <laughs> See, I, yeah, I'm a newbie, so we I call you. Gotta... We call you a transplant. 
<laughs> you put down roots, but you weren't, you didn't yeah. seed in here. <laughs> yeah, no, got it. I understand. Uh, you know, I should put that red letter right on my chest. <laughs> no, no, not at all. We we welcome all. We're we're an equal opportunity employer here. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Helen's flower is a great plant because it's great for cutting. Uh, it comes in a number of different colors. So those little daisy button-like flowers with nice stiff stems. And it, I, I think it partners really well with Russian sage yeah. that is also going into peak bloom, kind of that you know end of July, August. Right. I think I think the tough thing about Hellenium is people usually don't see it in flower in the garden center. Yeah. It's always green, so you know a lot of people don't use it because they don't know it, and it's not a plant, folks, that really does well in a pot in bloom. Mm. You know, right. it really should be planted when it's green. And unfortunately, a lot of those plants, we don't typically keep on the shelves in any numbers because they don't turn over and they don't sell the way, you know, um, other plants do. So, you know, some of these things search out, you know, ask us about. We can custom mm-hmm. order them for you, you know, because yep. it, it, we will have them in the summer months, but they'll probably be green on the bench. You'll walk right by them and not think twice about it. So you need to put that down on your list and make sure you buy it when you see it in green leaves in the pot because it is amazing. And, you know, the Russian sage, oh, my gosh, talking again about downsizing, all these new varieties that are coming out that instead of being three to four feet high, like many of the Russian sage, now we've got like little spire Mm -hmm. that's, what, 20, you know, two feet, two and a half feet tall. Um, I think there's Delft Blue. There's a number of these nice little compact... Peekaboo. Oh, peekaboo. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. And that's you know, the proven winners. I should have known yeah, that. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of new dwarf plants, and I think this comes around to thinking also perennials and containers are yep. another way to go, you know. Um, but let's switch gears because we just got a couple minutes left, Carrie. Okay. okay. Let's talk roses because I think roses for summer, people discount them because they think, oh, a lot of work, a lot of disease problems, a lot of spraying. That's not really necessarily the case. There's some nice hardy climbers, you know, that you've talked about. Talk about, you know, you know, maybe Ramblin' Red might be a good oh, choice. I was so psyched to see those come into the garden center. Ramblin' Red, I have never seen, and I've trialed a lot of climbing roses, but Ramblin' Red has this gorgeous double red bloom, and this plant will go, um, gosh, it'll get, it'll get canes uh, eight, 8, 10 feet plus tall, it starts blooming in June, and that thing sporadically continues to bloom right through October. I have pictures in the garden. It is stunning and so disease resistant, so you don't have to keep, you know, I don't spray them at all for any type of fungal disease. Mm-hmm. They're just a stunning, long blooming climbing rose grown on its own root. I think it's hardy to zone three. It's, yes. It's like a Canadian explorer, just a tough rose. You know, the thing about roses is we've got the easy elegance roses, we've got the non- Knockout roses, you know, we've got the drift roses, we've got the oh-so-easy roses. Right. All these new lines of shrub roses are amazing. They have a size and a color that fit every garden and landscape palette. And the thing is, we need to give good space to roses. We can't put a bunch of perennials around them. We need them to get good airflow. They go with summer gardening, and everyone should be using more roses. I for years was not a rose lover okay Mm -hmm. but with all these new roses i really have fallen in love with roses i think they're a huge staple of what we should be using for summer color 
And, you know, because what else, think about it, when you think about a flowering shrub, there are very few flowering shrubs that will give you that length of bloom, uh, you know, and can be used so well for a cut flower. I mean, and it's really, as you just said, I think people, years ago, they shy away. They hear the word rose, and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't grow a rose. As you have so well said, the industry, this has so flip-flopped. These roses out today are so easy. They're no-brainers, a lot of the lines that you just mentioned, and they should be used more. And they can take the heat. You know, a lot of people say, gosh, what plant can take such heat, like reflected off of patios or driveways mm-hmm. or sidewalks or the, um, your building, your siding? Roses say, bring it on. I love this heat. I mean, that that's a plant that can handle an area that other plants would just wilt and, you know, give up the ghost by mid-afternoon on a 90-plus degree day. Yeah, and most of these roses now, you can prune with the head shears. You don't have to be (laughs) that big of a gardener. You can take them, shear off the flower heads, and they'll bloom back and look beautiful, bloom right till frost. Easy, easy plants now. I want people to get over the rose fear. The rose phobia, okay? (laughs) You know, well, Carrie, it's been great. I appreciate, you know, I know you got to get to work, right? Yes, I do. <laughs> so, so you can find Carrie every weekend uh, in our Kennebunk store. What what days are you working? I pe- work I work Thursday through Sunday. Thursday through Sunday in the Kennebunk store. And Carrie, yep. little plug for your books. I know we're selling them at the stores also. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. They say good things come to those who wait. If cold early season temperatures have delayed your spring gardening, Estabrooks has some good news. All trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, and ground covers are now 20% off at Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, and Kennebunk. The wait is over. It's time to plant the garden you've always wanted at a fraction of the price. To learn more, visit Estabrooks in Yarmouth, Scarborough, Kennebunk, or on the web at estabrooksonline.com. Estabrooks for the joy of gardening. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we just got off with uh, Carrie Ann Mendez there on the phone. And Carrie's a great addition to the Estabrooks team. We've had a lot of fun this spring. You know, she's melting her way here into Maine and and uh, figuring out her garden. You know, which is great. You know, she's not in a hurry, which I, I want to make sure. And we talked about earlier in the show. There's plenty of season to garden. You can garden all summer. Like Carrie said, you know, she's healed in some perennials she brought from upstate New York. 
isn't too concerned about getting them exactly where she needs them right now. She's in the design phase. And that brings up a great topic, you know. The, with gardening, you don't have to feel like you have to do it all at once. The one thing I always recommend to customers is pick an area, do it to the best of your ability with your budget, and then stop. Okay? Do it to the best of your ability, then stop. And don't worry about it. When you have more budget and time, pick it up and go to the next piece. Don't start checkerboarding all over your yard. Okay, it's important you pick one area and do it right. Then plant one plant on the north side, one plant on the east, one on the west. Because what will happen is if you're planting in a circle like that, you're going to wake up someday three or five years into the process and go, none of this works. I don't have color at different times of year. I don't have situations that work. Plants have to be moved. Spacing has to change. So when you're coming into the garden center and you're looking to do some work with planting, work with the staff to do one area and stop, okay? Not everyone is going to tell you that, but all independent garden centers want you to come in, do a good project, and then come in and do another good project. It really is better if you do it that way, you know, if you're trying to do it on your own. The other thing is it's great if you're hiring a contractor, do it in pieces also. The contractor's in in a quick amount of time. The plants are in a quick amount of time. And then you can phase in your garden over time. Your landscape will thank you long term. You know, Carrie Ann was talking about a bunch of summer flowering perennials and a few others that are are big hitters, obviously. Black-Eyed Susans are always wonderful. And within Black-Eyed Susans, there are many different dwarf varieties. And we didn't get a chance to talk because we ran out of time. But Pot of Gold is a nice one, you know, that is a much smaller grower. You know, and then there's big, big growers also, you know, uh, of the of the uh, Cone Blower and uh, Black-Eyed Susans. But Monarda is another one. Okay, those wonderful bee bombs, the hummingbirds love them. They come in purples and reds and whites and, you know, pinks. And we do have dwarf forms of Monarda also. And she mentioned flocks. Now, I wanted to mention the first edition's flocks because I'm really impressed with this line. The foliage color is really cool. The new stems are purple, you know, one like lollipop or bubblegum. The first edition flocks have become very popular over the last couple of years. We're stocking more of them. And, of course, volcano flocks are nice. They uh, Both series are very powdery mildew resistant but hold up really well. And, you know, last but not least with our summer perennials, sluggo. Okay, slugs there this time of year is when we start to get the damage for the summer months. Okay, so here we are. We're going into June. Now's the time to get down sluggo. A couple weeks ago, I was telling you, put it around your hosta. They're just starting to come up. I hope you did it then because now the slugs are really getting activated. If you had done that, now it's time to reapply some more. Okay, now you say, why? I already did it once. It's good to refresh it periodically, okay? But you don't have to use as much if you knock that problem out early. But now we're getting late. I told you what to do. Did you do it? I don't know. But certainly now is the time to get some more down, you know, or diatomaceous earth. If you want to back up the sluggo you already put, you know, after a nice, you know, rainy day or if we've got a nice dew on those plants, 
sprinkle some of that diatomaceous earth over the top. It'll stick to the plant when the plant's moist, and then when the slugs and snails come up to feed, it'll cut them, okay, and it'll kill them. You'll be able to hear them screaming all the way from your house, okay? You know, but slugs and snails, I don't feel bad for, okay? They're just pests. They're terrible in the garden, absolutely terrible. So, and then last but not least, we talked roses, okay? Wonderful new series of roses. They're all wonderful. Come in and check them out, and don't forget the David Austins. Last but not least, you know, I wanted to talk about, because it's June 1st and we've talked a lot about blue hydrangeas, I wanted to wrap up the show with blue hydrangea talk, okay? We have a question from Martha in Portland. Her question, it appears my blue hydrangeas are done budding out. They put on all the growth they possibly can. How long should I wait before pruning off the dead wood above the last bud that's leafed out? Any chance more leaves will come after at this point? Let me know. Thank you. Okay, so we've been saying, don't cut the hydrangeas. Don't cut the hydrangeas. Okay, now we can start. Okay, now we can start. Hopefully, you've applied your hollytone in April. You've applied it in May. Now we're going to apply it in June. And now we're going to do a pruning on those dead dead branches, which a lot of the blue hydrangeas did have quite a bit of dieback this year. We had a terrible, tough winter, and we did have some dieback. So here's my suggestion. Cut those dead stems back about halfway. And the reason I like them to be about halfway is because I want those old stems to stay in there and support those big old beautiful blooms we're going to get later. They'll act like stakes in there. And if those big blossoms would get heavy rain and it goes to flop the plant, it will hit against some of those stems and it will hold them upright. So it creates a situation where we don't have to go in and stake any type of plant. We actually have a situation where we've naturally staked the plant. So if you have one branch that's alive and is out of control, go ahead and shape it. But shape those old stems so you have some nice nice sticks in there to help hold up those flowers. So I give everyone permission to start pruning their blue hydrangeas at this point. And the growing season is going full, full swing. I hope you can get out and enjoy your garden. You know, I hope you had a great Memorial Day weekend. Now it's time to get to work. Make sure you get that vegetable garden in. Make sure you've got all your annuals planted. Get ready for summer fun. Okay, get some of these in and think. You can pick off those projects time and time again all summer. You can plan all summer. Get out there. Enjoy your garden. Have a great Saturday. (music) 